guys, this is Cassandra Cassiopa. Welcome back to the Books Burrito. Journey Ann here. Please welcome Devin, the president of the Virginia Wolf Fan Club, aka the Wistful Wolf. So glad to be here. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Journey. As Virginia Wolf once said, fuck bitches, get money. So, Devin, before we start, will you raise your right hand and take the pledge that our podcast promises to uphold? Of course. Do you ultimately promise to meet our only two expectations of rigor and brilliance? Of course. Duh. I mean, I'll try. So today, just for Devin, we have a special treat. Just for me. Yes. Since you're such a big Virginia Woolf fan, we've decided to travel to River Oost at Luce to contact Virginia Woolf herself. Wait, this is where she killed herself, right? Crazy. I have to blog this. No phones. Cut the cameras. Dead ass. Don't worry. We'll keep recording. Good, because I'm meeting my idol, my role, mo- my role model, pretty much my god. Okay, ladies and gents, we will now begin the summoning of Georgina Wolf. You mean Virginia. Who? Her name is Virginia, you know, like the state. Shut it, Bobo. We're beginning the seance. Who has summoned me for the nth time? Ah! Bro, chill out. It is I, Valerima, with the Books Burrito podcast and your greatest fan ever, Kevin. I'm Devin. Your take on women regarding rooms and fiscal policy, stunning. Are you okay? Can we get him a glass of water or something? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can get a cup from the river. I don't think I would do that. That guy with the mic set up behind those trees just peed in it. What mic set up? Wait, are you recording this? What's that on your shirt? Wait, let go of the mic. This was expensive. Cassandra, someone. Can I play a game? <laughs> Definitely not. So how old are you? I was born on January 25th, 1882. I'm a Capricorn, so I'm going to let you do the math. Oh my god, same. I'm a Cancer. You were the one crying by the river playing patty cake with your reflection earlier, right? Bake me a cake as fast as you can. If it's. So, you were born into an affluent family, correct? Eat the rich. Yummy. You could say that. However, growing up was no walk around the steam engine tracks. Are you referring to the encounters you had with your half-siblings? Yes, and everyone thought that women needed a husband by their mid-twenties to take care of them. Women also weren't supposed to talk to men and barely even saw their brothers or fathers outside of meals. It was infuriating for many women, and when we tried to voice our frustrations, we were called hysterical. It was just a really harmful environment to grow up in. Seen but not heard wasn't something I was very good at. You're such a fantastic writer. Where did you go to school? I was taught by my parents as educational resources were, were unequally divided by gender. They were very supportive of my writing at a time that few parents would be. I continued at the ladies' department of King's College, London. I was also allowed to use my father's library, which was even more unorthodox. You talk about the issues that many men force upon women. Did you ever marry? Yes, she did. She married Leonard Wolfe. But had many affairs with other great thinkers of the time, women included. He watches the bull time once and doesn't know how to act. It is true I never felt physical, felt physical attraction for my husband, although they were hardly affairs as he knew about them. Is it true that you never had kids because doctors suggested that you shouldn't due to your mental health issues? 
No one ever wants to hear about the fun stuff, do they? Nearly everyone in her family had some sort of psychosis. However, Wolf had severe depression, manic excitement, including psychotic episodes and periodic mood swings. What were all the genres you wrote in? Well, she published many works that dipped into themes of war, shell shock, witchcraft, and societal roles. So, Kevin, I assume you read my book, A Room of One's Own, right? Yes, I loved it. I've probably read it 10 billion times by now. Well, you seem like a really uh, dedicated fan. The whole book is built around the fact that women are just as capable writers as men, if afforded the same luxuries, that is. As Wolf put it, money and a room of her own. It is not just the physical separation in which to do one's own work. It is the freedom to lock a door and talk in the abstract or to have creative thought without the interruptions that were a common plague against women. Oh, thank you. Additionally, sexism is more nuanced than people believe it to be. This includes limited personalities and works of literature that make women single-faceted, flat characters that are supposedly aspirational in London during the 1920s. The only criteria necessary to write a book about women and be deemed a scholar is to not be a woman. And this crafted a carefully curated version of what women are, or are supposed to be, in order to perpetuate subservience. Virginia Woolf acknowledges this in the first library scene and then in the final scene, depicting the tragedy of a world without strong female writers that have been lost throughout the ages due to the lack of necessary support. This book inspired feminists throughout history and even made more women write and fight to escape societal pressures and expectations. It's amazing that you were able to do something like that. Thank you. So you think it's still relevant even in your time period? When is that, by the way? 2020, unfortunately but you are still definitely topical. Our world might not be as openly sexist as yours was, but a lot of things you described in your book still exist in some form today. Dang, still? Well, women are still often seen as weaker like they were when you wrote this. And women still aren't given as much credit as their male counterparts in many fields, and they have to work twice as hard to succeed, just like some of the female writers you mentioned had to. And you know that the things you mentioned about how women are often only really written to advance some male character's story? Well, there's still problems with how women are presented in the media. Did you know that only 28% of English books pass the Bechdel test? Which I just think is... Okay, slow down. What's this test you mentioned? Oh, some women read your book and decided to create this test to figure out how many books or movies show women as more than just a device to forward the plot. Things pass if there are two female characters who talk to each other about something other than a man. It's an interesting concept. I wish I'd thought of it honestly, because you really have inspired me and would pro- probably would have thought of someone hadn't already, because your book just means that much to me. You are literally my inspiration. I think of you all the time, like when I wake up and when I eat breakfast and when Okay, thank you for that, Devin. But we would actually like to start interviewing Virginia, if you don't mind. Cassandra, you have the first question. So how would you describe your personal writing style? I write fairly informally and with a conversational tone. It is a somewhat personal dialogue between the reader and I. My words are simple. My point is direct. I write how I think. So you can describe a room of one's own as a written form of my stream of consciousness. I just found it amazing, if I may add how you tackle sexism in our intellectual institutions in such a short 
a direct 114 pages. Your writing style just matches the subject perfectly. You don't play around. You get to the point and write realistically. Yeah, it's apparently a unique technique because, you know, in the 20th century, we had some writers who just wouldn't shut up and their own books were an absolute abstract mess. I'm sorry, are you adding George Orwell? I mean, have you tried reading 1984? I agree. Everyone else is trash. All hell, Virginia Woolf. She's the original Beyonce. Uh, moving on. So if you could get the reader to take away one main argument from the book, what would it be? Well, some of the main claims I highlighted were about how women were constantly put at a disadvantage based solely on the sex they were born. Using my own personal experience, on page 8, I wrote about how I was denied access to a library because I was a woman, who regretted in a low voice as he waved me back that ladies are only admitted to the library if accompanied by a fellow of the college or furnished with a letter of introduction. Yes, that was probably the biggest part of the writing. Another claim I thought you made was that when women could start to write, they had to hide it because women were tied down to their house duties. Yes, I... It was on page 67 where you said, subject to all kinds of casual interruptions, she was careful that her occupation should not be suspected by servants or visitors or any person beyond her own family party. Jane Austen hid her manuscripts or covered them with a piece of paper. Thank you for saying my quote that I wrote. Yes, I also used other people's struggles and stories to highlight the disadvantage women were at. And I also recall you writing about a tailless cat on page 13 of your book as well. What did that represent? Was this a metaphor? Well, I don't remember the exact wording. I wrote that a long time ago. I do. On page 13, you wrote that the tailless cat, though some are said to exist on the Isle of Man, it is rarer than one thinks. It is a queer animal, quaint rather than beautiful. The tailless cat, in my eyes, represented women's success in the workplace, and losing the tail is a woman having to give up her femininity or a part of who they are to succeed in a male-dominated workplace. I would concur exactly. So if you don't mind, Virginia, we're going to share some tweets and calls with you. Sounds lit. So this first tweet is from at Professor Stapleton, at The Books Burrito. Could you please do an in-depth analysis of A Room of One's Own? It's not for me, but for some of the students in my AP Lang class. They really seem to be struggling with focusing, like they will not shut up. Tips and advice, please. Isn't that the point of the show or whatever? Yes. We are analyzing and discussing A Room of One's Own with its very own, very dead writer, Virginia Woolf. I feel like that should help the idiot kids in your class. Okay, up next we have a tweet from Addison H. I liked how Virginia Woolf illustrated most of her arguments. By using colorful language, metaphors, and anecdotes, she kept my attention and made her audience think about what she was saying on a deeper level. The book started off a bit slow, but once I got used to her writing style, it was engaging, and I enjoyed how she looked at a lot of issues through his, through a historical lens. Oh, that's so nice of her. Sounds like she really enjoyed the book. Love my fans. But uh, I'm your biggest. We actually have a caller on the line if you want to talk to one of your other fans, Virginia. Of course. Hello, is this Virginia Woolf's biggest fan? No, I'm right here. Hi, this is Rima, and yes, I absolutely love Virginia Woolf. Oh, so nice. Thank you, Vivi. So what are your thoughts on A Room of One's Own? I like how this book tackles the issue and how Virginia Woolf's insight is still applicable almost 100 years later. However, some of her analogies and references went way over my head, so it took a lot of rereading to fully understand the book. 
Like what? Like the whole tail is cat thing. But don't worry, my groups and I figured it out. Are you in Professor Stapleton's class by any chance? That is so weird. How did you know that? Next caller. We have a tweet from at Quinn. My Twitter name is not egotistic because it's just my name. Shut up. That's a mouthful. Yeah, definitely. So this Twitter user said, the book definitely contains some esoteric references that required a quick Google search, but overall, it was an incredibly thought-provoking book that provided a good reading experience. Additionally, once you got past the first chapter of the book, it was fairly easy to follow, even with the circuitous metaphors. In summation, I very much enjoyed the book and thought it was very interesting. I cannot endorse the use of Google. I'm more of a bing gal. Oh my god, me too. Wow, how crazy. Okay, so our last and final tweet is from at Stephanie Perry Lang. I liked how the book talked about issues that were going on throughout society and also how she would connect those with some of her own personal stories and even the stories of other women. I found the book very interesting, and it brought in a lot of insightful analogies. Guys, I know this sounds crazy, but I do be speaking on issues in society. I know, and it's just so amazing. Honestly, you're just perfect. So what was your opinion on the book, Devin? Reading through this book allowed me to diversify my view on society, because I haven't read many pieces of literature that tackle sexist issues. Because this book is written from a different time period, it exposes and addresses some issues from history, which I found to be interesting. Also, Virginia Woolf is the best. <coughs> Kiss ass. <coughs> a what? So that's all the time we have, folks. Oh, wait, is that ballerina diving into the river? Doesn't she know that's the shallow end? I don't. It was great speaking to you, Virginia, and I hope. It was great speaking to you, Virginia. I agree. <clears throat> And I hope this episode of The Books Burrito helps you all gain a little insight into a room of one's own. Bye, spelled capital B-I. Have a great day, guys. And remember, always, always uphold the standard, standard of both, both rigor, rigor and brilliance. And brilliance. <laughs>